You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Greenville teaching pastor, Matt Humphrey. It's good to be back. Uh, we had Mother's Day a couple weeks ago, and then last week, didn't Joe do an awesome job teaching last week? For real, what a great word. Um, we've been in this series called by God. And so we're, we're going to jump back into week three of this. But here's at the heart of this series is this question that has riddled humanity for as long as we've walked this earth. Um, whether you believe in Jesus or not, it's this question of what's my purpose? Why do I exist? What, what am I here for? What, how can I have significance in my life? And it's what everyone searches for. And it's, I mean, in fact, the, the Purpose Driven Life, famous well-known book by, uh, by a pastor, was, sold over 50 million copies. Um, it's an indication that people are looking for purpose. They're wanting purpose in their life. So this series, we're, we're talking about this idea of calling and purpose, but I want to kind of clarify because it's kind of a different language, but it's really the same thing, but one can be taken out of skew. And so here's what I mean. is purpose, the tendency for the world's identification of finding purpose has to do with self. Self-fulfillment, self-actualization, self-awareness, it has to do with self-discovery. It's like, hey, figure out what you like, enjoy, want, desire in your life and, and, and chase after that, and that's how you find purpose. The, the difference, and in, in, in we use purpose, like God gives us purpose, and that one's kind of taken out of context, but this idea of calling, the reason why it's so significant is because it is purpose in your life, but it's authored by God because he calls us. And there's a huge distinction between it, is, is realizing that God has called us to live our lives a certain way as followers of Jesus, that he's called us to have purpose, that he's called us to have um, like joy and value and, and, and significance in our life. And a lot of the, the authority comes with the person calling. Because a friend will invite, but a king will summon. And the king of kings, God has invited us. He has summoned us. He has, he has given us this call to live our lives differently so that we can have significance. Now, let me, let me peel back another part of the, the, the layer of the onion for just a moment. Is I think we can mystify this at times. It's like, what's my calling? It, it feels like this like vague and like this... like misunderstood idea. And what we have to know is that it, in any season of life, it's very, um, uh, very common to actually have numerous callings on your life. What I mean is because one part of our calling has to deal with our identity. That as sons and daughters, if we've put our faith in Jesus, he has adopted us into his family, we are now sons and daughters of the king. And, and in that, as that, um, I have a calling to be a husband. I am called to be a father. I am, I'm called to shepherd. Like we can operate in many different calling, or callings as part of our identity of who God calls us to be. At the same time, I think we can understand that. But where, where people kind of have a hard time is understanding the specific call in the moment of what God is wanting me to do with my life of where he's leading me, of how the Holy Spirit's guiding me, is how, is how as I unpack his word, it's, it's speaking to me, uh, how the, the godly counsel around me is praying for me and believing and, 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 and giving me wisdom. It's iron sharpens iron. Like, so like there's, there's this specific 
call and plan and leading. And I think that's what majority of people wrestle with. Is we, we, we wonder, we, we question, we have doubts. Um, and I can't answer that for you today. Like we, we don't have enough time. Because I, I can't begin to say, hey, this is, this is your calling for your life. Like as, if, as I got to know you really, really, really well, and as we did life together, as I understand your, your dynamic and what you, how you grew up and, and what God has placed in you and the gifts and the talents and, and your spiritual gifts. And, and as, we, you know, as we pray and as we sense God orchestrating things and putting opportunities in your pathway and leading you and other people are praying and believing the same thing, then maybe, just maybe, we can like, hey, I, I kind of believe this is where God's leading you. Like that, That's an, op, an, an option, a possibility. But what, like, we, that's not what I'm hoping to do today. What, what I'm hoping is that as we sense how God individually leads us, whether it's sharing our story of how God radically changed our life to a coworker, whether it's uh, uh, to start something new, whether it's leaving an old career and beginning a new career because we feel like God is leading us there, whether it's um, using the things that God has placed in our hands to invest and to serve faithfully in the community, in God's, God's church, whether it's to, to be obedient and to be sacrificially generous towards something, whether it's to, to go into full-time ministry, whether it's at a church or not, uh, whether it's to, to go into missions, like what, whatever the leading is that God is calling you, that's what I want to wrestle with today. And not just the idea of like, hey, I feel like God is, is calling me to, to, to mentor, or to coach, or to lead, or to shepherd, or to, to guide, or to point people to Jesus. We can maybe begin to understand that, but I, I think what holds us back is there's, there's a lot of things that as we believe that, that stop us. In fact, uh, look at our verse, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. We understand that. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I am in prison for him. This is Paul writing. It says, with the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did not do this, or he did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning, or from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death, illuminated the way of life and immortality through the good news. Ephesians 2 tells us that he created us anew in Christ Jesus to do the good things that he planned for us to do in advance. Meaning, he called us to live differently like Joe talked about last week. But to do stuff. And here's what I know. In the kingdom of God, there are no spectators. God is not looking for warm bodies to fill his kingdom. He, he doesn't just need extras so that there's some diversity in the background. It's not just like, here's the main characters and you guys just pretend you're having a fake conversation in the background so other people can you know, get the picture there's a crowd around. There, the, in the kingdom of God, we're not called to sit on the sidelines. We're not called to sit on the bench. We're not called to be a spectator. But if you put your faith in Jesus and the finished work of the cross, He's called you to a new identity, but he's called you to live a different way and to do things and to do stuff that have value and significance. So 
what we're going to do today is we're going we're gonna to look back at Moses. I talked about it three weeks ago. I said, hey, put a pin in this. We're going to talk about Moses. We left some parts out of Moses. So we're going to be talking more about Moses. So uh, Exodus chapter 2, we're going to start in, in just a second. Um, but I want to highlight four things because we can understand and we can believe it. But I think there's a lot of things that hold us back from actually living out the calling that God has on my life and on your life. We all wrestle with it. So uh, this isn't like, hey, drop us in Moses' story. But as we see what Moses walked through, we're like, I can identify with that. I wrestle with that. I struggle with that. And we're going to see things uh, that are applicable to all of us. So four things uh, this morning. And then, uh, and then you guys can go home and cook a burger or something. Um, but recap. Remember, Moses, right? God's people were enslaved by the Egyptians 400 years. God responds. God Uh, jumps back into the story, says, Moses, I want you to go tell Pharaoh, hey, Pharaoh, you've been enjoying the free slave labor. Let my people go. And and this whole thing, and Moses is like, God, what, how's this going to happen? God had appeared to Moses in a burning bush. God is sending him with a purpose, calling him to do it with him. And and God is putting him in this direction, this calling on his life. So um, first thing I think that stops us is what I don't know. Stops all of us is God is calling us to do something. We're like, hey, I don't know about this. Now, show of hands real quick. Who are the optimists in the room? You're an optimist. Glass is half full. Okay, who are the pessimists? Okay, in first service, all the pessimists were like, <laughs> who's the realist? Call it it is. Okay, who's the opportunist? You're going to sell the glass of water. No one? Okay, all right. Uh, but I think sometimes based on how we, we see a situation determines how much information we need uh, before we like agree to it, <laughs> we're like, ah, this is not going to work out well. I need all the details. In any situation, if we are really, really, really honest, if God leads us to do something new that's outside of our comfort, outside of our box of what's normal, we want to know all the details. We want to not know, just know the plan. We want to know the results of the plan. Because if we know the plan, the plan's going to fail. We're like, nope, pass on this one. But, but we, we want to know the details. God, how is this exactly going to work? How is this going to operate? And then I'll say yes. That's exactly what Moses did. Uh, I'm just going to cover a couple of them here. So God appears to Moses, and uh, Moses protested. He said, if I go, you know, how are they going to, what's, what's, what name am I going to tell them? Like, who sent me? Um, and God is gracious, and God answers him. Uh, and then you keep going. Chapter four, verse one. But Moses protested again. Uh, what if they don't believe me? Uh, verse 10, Moses pleaded with the Lord again. It was kind of like a, a child-parent relationship in this. Um, not, your kids are always obedient. Um, verse 13, Moses pleaded again. Lord, please send anyone else. Like it's continual that God says, hey, I want you to do this. And Moses is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Here's my 17 questions. God, like, you need to answer these before I'm going to, my, my answer is hanging in the back. It's like someone's like, hey, what are you doing next Saturday at noon? You're like, tell me where you're moving before I say yes. <laughs> no, you know, like, you want to know details before you commit. And Moses is like, I want to be obedient, but God, there, there's too many questions swirling around. I, I don't know how this is going to work out. And he's begging, he's pleading, he's arguing with the Lord. Um. For me, honestly, like this was one of the biggest things for me when I, when I first got into ministry. Like I, I've, I've shared this before, but I had my own plans. I, I never wanted to work at a church. I never wanted to be in ministry. 
I have a degree in hospitality. I don't know how those dots connected. But like I had my own plans and then God said, hey, this opportunity came up. He wanted, he wanted me to, to, to go into full-time ministry. And in the back of my mind, one of the like weighing decisions for me was like, God, I, I don't know enough. Like, I, I, I kind of know your word, but I, I don't like, I don't like know it, know it like these like, like pastor people. Like, I, I could never do that. I, I, don't, I don't know enough. I haven't got this thing figured out. I don't even like being around teenagers. You want me to like hang out with them all the time? That's scary. Like, y'all have teenagers. You're like, they're my own and kind of I don't like them so much. No, um, we love teenagers. Uh, but it was so much of this, like, I, have, I went to youth group one time growing up my entire life. And God called me to be a youth pastor. Like, th- there was so much that I didn't know. But what I did know was that God was calling me to it. And what I look back and I'm grateful for is the beginning years of ministry, my desperation for knowing God's word fueled a greater hunger and, and, and digging deeper into God's word so that I could teach it and so that I could apply it to my own life. And listen, God knows what you don't know. And God has that full picture in mind when he calls you to do something. And you're going to be in a situation where you're like, I, I don't know. That's, that's great territory to stand on because that's where God wants you to be. Um, if our obedience requires our full understanding, it has zero faith. If God calls us to do something and we want to know every detail and how it's going to work out and the results and, okay, if I, if I, if I share my faith with this coworker that, hey, right there in the moment, they're like, what must I do to be saved? Lead me to Jesus. And all of this, if I know the results, then I'll say, okay, I'll do it. But if your obedience requires, like, has everything figured out and lacks zero understanding, then it lacks faith. Without faith, it's impossible please God. The second thing is what I've done. What I don't know and what I've done. Um, God can't possibly use me in that way. Like I've done too much. My past is too speckled. Like you don't, you don't understand. You don't understand where I grew up. You don't understand how I grew up. Like my past, um, the other stuff is for everyone else, but my, my past is, is too, is too dirty to be used. Uh, Well, I want you to invite you to Moses' story. Moses, Exodus chapter two, verse 11. This is before the burning bush moment. Uh, This is chapter before. Many years later, when Moses had grown up, he went out to visit his own people, the Hebrews, and he saw how hard they were forced to work. During his visit, he saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. And after looking in all directions to make sure no one was watching, immediately something sketchy is about to happen, right? If you ever see like kids or somebody like looking around, something shady's going down. Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. The next day when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend? Moses said to the one who started the fight. And the man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you gonna kill me like you killed that Egyptian yesterday? And Moses was afraid, thinking, everyone knows what I did. And sure enough, Pharaoh had heard what had happened, and he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. Moses was out in Midian for 40 years before the burning bush. 
For 40 years, Moses wrestled with the fact that he was a murderer, the fact that he had killed a man, the fact that he was in this foreign land now because what he did was too wrong. Now, he had to flee because Pharaoh was trying to kill him. So when God invites him into this story and says, Moses, I want to use you, God didn't forget about that. Like, when God calls you, he, he knows your full resume and your full rap sheet. He knows all of it. He didn't like, oh, I forgot about that one. No, God has the whole picture in mind. And he says, yeah, you. This is what I want you to do. This is, this is, this is the plan that I have for you. Think about it. Like, you think the Lord forgot about what he brought you through? Moses was plucked out of the Nile River as a baby, floating down in a basket. He was placed in the most powerful Egyptian home. He, he, he had an opportunity to, to be set up in this exact position, to have a relationship with Pharaoh already, and go and deliver this message. Like, it was a setup. And yet, so often, we think that what we did disqualifies us. We think that what we did is like, yeah, maybe, just maybe it be, can be forgiven. I don't know. But I can't be used. Logically, think with me for a second. If you believe that school of thought, the grace of God, the, the grace of God that was poured out on Calvary through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, his blood that was the atonement for all, all sin, past, present, future, for those that confess him as Lord and Savior and profess, like they surrender their life, let his payment for sin take the, 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 the payment that was, that was on you. If, if you believe that he can free you from the grips of death and hell, you think that grace isn't sufficient to cover your past? You think that what you did is greater than that? That's not the voice of your father. God can heal and God can redeem and God can use you despite you. I'm a testimony to that. God can use us despite our worst failures, our worst situations. Um, I mean, think about it. Paul, right? Author of the majority of the New Testament. Uh, before he met Jesus, he had Christians killed. Like, that was his thing. He went around having Christians persecuted and killed. Like, and then you, he's a church leader? <laughs> you, you, I mean, uh, Gideon, hey, God's calling him to be a leader. He wasn't a leader. He was a coward in the, in the moment. He was, he, was, he was hiding indoors. Uh, Peter was, well, Peter was Peter. <laughs> we, we can fill in the blank with what Peter did. You know, like, David was, was overlooked. David was an adulterer. Like we, we see all of it. We, we look at people's best and we compare it to ourselves and we're like, we can never stack up. What we did is too bad. There's a couple of specific roadblocks with this because God is not as concerned with what you've done. God is more concerned with who you're becoming. I think a couple of those roadblocks, one is shame. Um, shame is what you did is too dirty. It is too gross. It is, it is too wrong to ever be used. And, and we've, I've talked about this before, but there's a difference between guilt and shame. 
guilt is a verdict that, hey, we've done something wrong. We, we've broken God's ways. We've sinned. So guilt is a good thing. The Holy Spirit like, convicts us so that, we, hey, when we mess up, we, we want to we know that. We want to confess. So guilt is a verdict, but shame is a sentence. Guilt leads us to bring what we did to the light and to ask God for forgiveness. Shame says, keep it in the dark, it's too dirty. And shame stops people from allowing God's grace and light to shine on our darkest moments, to bring healing and forgiveness so that we then have a story we can say, hey, you know what, I was right where you were. I was broken, I was, I was dejected, I had no life, but Jesus Christ entered my story and I'm forever changed. If he can use them, he can use you. The second thing is fear. The fear of failure, the fear of getting it wrong, like that stops us, right? Because we're like, there's too much at stake. I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to enter into the situation or this equation and, and mess it up. Like there's always going to be a sense of fear and trembling with anything you do for God. Every Sunday I get up, I'm like, I hope I don't mess up. I hope I don't screw this up. God, this is too important. I don't have anything to bring to the table. And I'm always like terrified of like saying something or my words slipping up and like ending up on social media as like, you know, like pastors like accidentally slipping in a cuss word or something. There's just like, there's always, and now I'm going to be hyper vigilant on everything I say. <laughs> Shouldn't have said that. No, but like, there's always that fear of like, what if I preached one time as a youth pastor with my zipper down? Yeah, that's awkward. And you realize it halfway through because people are like, girls are like snickering and pointing at me. I'm like, this is really weird. And now immediately, okay, all right. But there's always this, gonna be this fear of like, I don't have what it takes, I'm gonna mess up. Do you know what's great? When you realize that you don't have it all figured out, that you're not smart enough, guess what you have to do? You have to depend greater on Jesus. And God is not looking for like, like just to insert us into something and just fulfill this task and that's your calling, like a, a plug and play fuse and pull you out. No, God is wanting to do relationship with us. To say, hey, I wanna walk with you. I wanna guide you, I wanna lead you. I want your life to have value and significance and I want you to realize that you don't have enough and you have to lean on me. That's the kind of life that he's calling us to live. With significance. In comparison Talked about it a minute ago. We, we compare our every day to everyone's highlights. And guess what? There's always going to be someone better, smarter, better looking, funnier. Like, you name it. So stop comparing and letting comparison stop you from doing what God has called you to do. You're not somebody else. Thank God. Because God didn't create cookie cutter people. He created unique, fearfully, and wonderfully made sons and daughters. All right. I need to hurry. Number three, what I think I can't do. What I think I can't do. In, in raising children, trying to get them to do something new, what, what, what can be frustrating is like, no, I can't do it. I'm like, you haven't tried it. How do you know you can't do it? I just can't do it. I'm like, no, yeah, you can't. I can't eat that. You've never tried it. You don't know you don't like mushrooms. You've never tried a mushroom in your entire life. Eat a mushroom right now. It's going to be delicious. No, nothing tastes good when you make that face before you eat it, Right? I don't think picky people are actually don't like food. They just don't want to try it. So try something new. But it, it's, we make up our mind that we can't do something before we ever try it. God, I could never share my faith with someone else because I, 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 I don't have big words to use. I, I, there's, there's no way that I could do that. There, there's no way that I could pour in and mentor someone else. Like, you see my life. Like, it's a mess. 
we, we always, we, we make up our mind that we can't do something instead of listening to the voice of God Almighty. Um, Exodus chapter four. Um, so Moses, God is telling Moses, hey, I want you to go. I want you to deliver this message to, to Pharaoh. Say, hey, let my people go. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, you know, you got the whole song. Um, and this is his Moses' response. There's a pattern here. But Moses pleaded with the Lord again. He says, oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I, sorry, I never have been. Neither is Matt right now. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. And you know what Moses does after that? He keeps complaining. <laughs> Finally, the Lord's like, fine, Aaron, here comes Aaron. Aaron's gonna go. I'll talk to you, you talk to Aaron, Aaron will talk to the people. This is how it's gonna work. But think about it. If you're going to deliver a message, a verbal message to the most powerful person in kingdom in this area at this time, you're gonna pick for someone who, who speaks well. Someone who's got a couple of TED Talks under their belt. Somebody who, who, like, who can use big words. And God chose somebody with a stuttering problem. Like, that doesn't make sense. And God's like, Moses, I didn't stutter. I'm calling you. This is what I want you to do. Isn't it odd that God often sees what we think disqualifies us and says, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Because you know what? If, if God would have chose somebody who was an eloquent speaker, I wonder if he would have walked in his own ability. Now Moses was the most humble man that ever lived, right? God used him despite what he said that he couldn't do. Limitations always try to come up with the best excuses. Like, even when my kids were growing up, like you put food on the table and you come back and they're eating with their hands. Like, what are you doing? Like, well, you didn't give a silverware. Like, you know exactly where it's at. Like, pick up a fork and use it, right? Like, our, our limitations will always come up with great excuses of why we can't do something. Fill in the blank, X, Y, and Z. We can't do it because I don't have this. I didn't grow up here. I don't know this. In fact, there was an author. Uh, his name was Theodore Geisel. He, he wrote a book and tried to get it published, and he went to publisher after publisher, and it was rejected. He went to 27 different publishers, and all of them said, this book is, is garbage, it's not, gonna be, it's not gonna be written. And so he was in New York City, he was walking down Madison Avenue, he was going home to destroy his manuscript, and he ran into an old friend he went to Dartmouth College with, and said, hey, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm gonna go home and burn the book uh, that can never be published, it's horrible. And he's like, I actually work at a publishing firm right now. He's like, no, you don't understand. This is a children's book. No one would ever read it. He's like, this morning, I got a promotion to be the director of children's publishing for Vanguard Publishing Company. He's like, let's go up to my office. It's right here. Let's go talk about it. And they went up. He showed them the book, showed the illustrations. They bought that book and it was published. That author's was, name was Dr. Seuss. You ever heard of him? Right? He's like, I'm giving up. There, there's no way that this is valuable to the world. I'm, I'm just going to destroy it. 
in this chance encounter produce how many times do we try something and it's a little bit hard and we're like, it's not gonna do it. God, you don't understand what I don't have. You don't understand the home I grew up in. God, you don't understand my skill set. No, no, no. God sees everything and you need to stop thinking that God's mind is so small and realize that he's God. He's holy. He is perfect. He knew every day of your life before the foundation of earth was laid. And if God is calling you to something, you have to know that he is faithful to provide everything you need. Not so that you can just like, oh, I, I got it in my own steam. But he's the source of manna for the day. Exactly what you need to get you through today. And number four, what to believe when things get tough. What to believe when things get tough. Life is tough. And, and, and if, if you like started following Jesus and was like, hey, follow Jesus, it's gonna be easy. They lied to you and they weren't a good friend. <laughs> That's gonna be better, but it doesn't make it easy. Loving your neighbor, loving your enemy, that's not easy. The entryway is, hey, <laughs> deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. The, the idea of, of following Jesus is hard, is difficult, but it's always better. It's always better. And, and we have to remember that so that when God calls us to, to do something, to, to step out, to do something new, to do something we're uncomfortable with that's, that requires faith, that guess what? It's going to be hard. There's going to be days when you're like, this is, this is a joke. I must have heard wrong. I shouldn't be doing this. It's difficult. Moses was at that point. Moses goes and, and tells Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's like laughing at him, basically. And he's even more harsh to the Hebrews. And so Exodus chapter five. So Moses went back to the Lord and protested again. Here's Moses. He said, he's speaking to God. He says, why have you brought all this trouble on your own people, Lord? Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he has been even more brutal to your people. And now you have done nothing to rescue them. Easy, Moses. I just want to say, sometimes we can be real with God. God's not scared for us to be real. We also have to remember he's holy. He's powerful. He is God. He is our friend, but he is not to be flippant with. And Moses, Moses is, is, is he's in agony, and he's, he's, he's seeing the suffering of his people, and he's like, God, you haven't, you haven't done what you said you're going to do. And he's going to be questioning the Lord. It's always interesting in scripture to hear the Lord's response. Verse six, or chapter six, verse one. Then the Lord told Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let my people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. I appeared to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty, but I did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. And I reaffirmed my covenant with them. Under its terms, I promised to give them the land of Canaan, where they are living as foreigners. And you can be sure that I've heard the groans of the people of Israel, who are now slaves to the Egyptians. Um, and I am well aware of my covenant with them. Therefore, 
Say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. You will f- I will free you from your oppression and rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from the oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. God was saying, I'm not slow to fulfill my promises. And I, don't, I didn't say this in first service, but during worship, I was, I was just so burdened this idea of, of sensing that somebody is needing healing today. And I want you to know that God is not slow in fulfilling his promises. And we don't understand the whole story, but sometimes God allows us in his goodness to experience seasons where he is our manna, our daily bread. That he gives us enough to get through the day, not because he's withholding his goodness, but because he's letting us see it and experience it in the daily moments. And when life gets tough, what do we hold on to? What did Moses cling to? It's not a bumper sticker. It's not a cliche saying. It's the promises of God. It's it's the promise, the covenant promise that God made to his people and God's saying, look, I, I told you I'm going to do this, and, and you're going to see me respond. You're going to see me deliver. In fact, this is how it's going to play out. And when we step out in faith and we, we walk in obedience, we have to know that it's going to be hard at times. But the opposition isn't because we're doing something wrong. The opposition is because we're doing something right. But God has promised to be with us in the midst of it. So as I talk about cliche things, as we wrap up, we have to remember that I am not qualified, but Jesus qualifies me. We know the saying that God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. I would even say even more correctly is that God qualifies those that are willing to say yes to the call. Because what we want is we want the qualifications in order for us to take the first step. God is saying, Moses, I know you have a speech impediment. Moses, I know that you murdered a man. I know you've been spending 40 years in the wilderness hiding from your past. I know all this. I know my people are suffering, but I'm sending you. And I'm not sending you on a suicide mission. I'm sending you with my very presence to go deliver a message about what I'm going to do. And yeah, it's going to be hard. But God doesn't make mistakes. I heard this this week, and it has stuck with me. Is that our, our neediness for the Lord is our honor, not our shame. We, we value independence, and we value being able to make it on our own, but our neediness for God is actually to our honor, not our shame. That every moment, every morning when you wake up, you should feel like you're not enough. That's the story of the gospel. 
We can't do it on our own. That's what Paul challenged the, the church in Galatia with. They, they were under the law, they surrendered their life to Jesus, and they experienced grace, but now they're trying to do all these works to try to like, earn forgiveness. He's like, what, what are you doing? You can't earn qualifications. And just like you weren't qualified enough on day one when he called you, you're never gonna get to a moment you're like, well, I've arrived. Now, God, I'm doing you a favor. No, 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 no. You are not qualified. It's the grace of Jesus that qualifies you to do what he's called you to do. Not your resume, not your rap sheet. It's the grace of God that empowers you to do what he's called you to do. That's the story of the gospel. God allows us to experience those setbacks. And the greatest thing that we can do is to have a greater and greater dependency of God. This is scary, but I'm gonna trust you. I don't know enough, but I'm gonna trust you. This is hard, but I'm gonna trust you. I don't have it figured out, but I'm gonna trust you. God, I feel inadequate, but I'm gonna trust you. God, my past is, is a wreck, but I'm gonna trust you. Not because he wants robots, but because he wants us to do life on mission with him. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, we, we love you and we thank you God, we thank you that despite our failures and our flaws and our past, that the grace of God is real. It's powerful. It sets captives free. And God, you don't just want to get us into a, just a relationship with you so that we stay stagnant and say, why, well, I made it. You're inviting us to be a part of this beautiful thing called the body of Christ. To be your hands and feet, to go and to tell other people the good news of what, about what you did in our own lives. And God, I pray that as we seek you and as you lead us to new things and as you direct us and as you put passions and callings in our life, Lord, that we would be a people who are open-handed, that we would say yes, not needing to know the details or all of it figured out, but God, we would walk in faith and walk in obedience. And as we do that, as we trust you, we would live lives that have significance. And we would see you through your mighty power at work within us do exceedingly more than we could ever ask or imagine for your glory, for your fame, and for your renown. God, let us be people who say yes and to walk in a, worthy, in a, in a matter worthy of the high calling as sons and daughters of a king. So, Father, we love you. We thank you for this day, and it's in your mighty and powerful name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Church, we love you. I hope you have an awesome weekend. We look forward to seeing you guys next Sunday outside. As always, our prayer team is down here up front if you need anything. We love you. Have a great week, church. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.